Hello. Welcome to Proof Beyond Reason. It is my birthday. Happy birthday. I'm recording on my birthday. That is amazing. That's good. Humbleness. <laughs> you know, uh, we are talking today about Bible prophecy. Like we said we were going to. Yeah. Not, not a popular topic, a very difficult topic to address. So we're going to uh, try to tackle this beast uh, but before we do that, we want to get a shout out to Matthew Movement for being our sponsor. So MatthewMovement.com, wear what you believe. Uh, very grateful for their contribution. And if you want to become a sponsor of Proof Beyond Reason and help us get this podcast out, please, please, please hit us up on our email, ProofBeyondReason at gmail.com. Uh, also want to give a shout out to my boy, Larry Birthright from Triumphant Music. Uh, we were uh, talking about last week's episode and I didn't hit him up. I didn't say uh, give him a shout out. So I definitely want to give him a shout out now. Uh, so check out their music, download their music, Triumphant Music. Uh, my boy uh, Larry Birthright doing it. Love you guys. All right. So, uh, so let's jump into it, man. Um, yep. Bible prophecies. Not an easy, not a popular topic. It is not, no. One thing that's uh, interesting to note, um, in my experience anyway, I don't know about your experience, G. Over the years, I've noticed a lot of like forced prophecy fulfillments. So you'll have groups of people, whether they claim to be part of the church or not, they'll just kind of assert that this event definitely has to do with Bible prophecy. And they will break it down for you lovely. They would say, you know, this is that, and Trump represents the horn of this and this. Yeah. What? Or like people were saying that Obama was the beginning of the Antichrist right. during his election. And, and you know, as you look at history, there, there are multiple Antichrists uh, that appear. Um, and, you know, the Reformed uh, Church would see... Uh, different things when it came to uh, the, the 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 Pope, you know, and, and maybe some of the things that he was doing, they would label that to say that's Antichrist. Yep. Um, Caesar. Caesar, you know, that would be labeled Antichrist. Uh, anything that was against Scripture, anything that was imposing a governmental rule or political rule over the authority of Scripture would be seen as as potentially antichrist but you could say that about a lot of authors as well that are clearly against scripture and um uh you know it's important to note that in what we're going to talk about today are are things that have occurred in the past and there has been a, a consensus that these events that have taken place and can be compared to history are deemed fulfillments of prophetic uh, events. So the Bible, for example, would say um, this event is going to happen, 50, you know, whenever. This is what's going to happen in the event. And maybe 50, 100, 200, 300, 500 years later, the events happen almost exactly the way the Bible described it. And you could give credit to scripture for coming out and 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 you know predicting the events would happen 
you know, very similar to what we talked about last week with with the boxers. So this weekend, yeah, this weekend we had uh, Conor McGregor against <laughs> Money May. You know, Money Mayweather made it happen. I mean, he 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 put it on them. But Floyd, but uh, Conor McGregor, he boasts on being Mystic Mac. You know, he's gonna predict his shots. He's gonna predict what happens. So he predicted that he would end Floyd within four rounds. It didn't happen. Ten rounds. Ten rounds, and he's the one who got knocked out. Mystic Mac, no longer. <laughs> False but prophet. those those that prophesized that Mayweather was gonna win, hey, I mean, got it right. Yeah, I mean it's pretty easy too, and it's pretty easy prediction. But um, you know, in in Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, uh, verse twenty one through twenty two, particularly verse twenty two, talks about if a prophet predicts something in the Lord's name and it does not happen, the Lord did not give the message. That prophet has spoken on his own and does not need to be feared, nor the message needs to be feared. And so throughout a lot of history, you see different groups of people, whether they claim to be churches or what have you, they claim that certain events are going to happen and they they label it prophecy and they say this is going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, it's not necessarily that. So, for example... When you have some of the prophets in scripture will say, you know, this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. They don't put a timeline on it. And when it eventually comes to pass hundreds of years later, then you can give credit to that prophet. But at the moment, they probably looked at the events like, uh, yeah, nothing happened. So this guy's a false prophet, maybe. But when the fulfillment came later, then you can say, all right, now I have to give affirmation to that prophet. We have to give that prophet his due credit because those events were predicted and really that's a supernatural occurrence like how can somebody really predict something that's going to happen 20 minutes from now let alone 200 years 300 years from now it's pretty crazy uh but the i think the the people that we can deem clearly false prophets are those that put a timestamp on exactly when certain events are going to happen so the ones that say, you know, the end of the world is coming when we had, uh, what is it, 20, 2012? Was it 2012? 2012 was uh, supposed to be the end of the world with the calamities that was happening. When they predicted about that asteroid, I believe, that was passing by as well, they considered it being Nibiru. I remember that. And that was supposed to be Christ's return and we were supposed to be lifted up in a rapture. Yo, it was crazy because I remember that. People were coming up to me in in you know, Bible-believing Christians coming up to me and like, yo, Jesus is coming back. And then these scientists are showing, like, pictures. And like, look, that's Jesus in there. Like, weird yo, stuff. It's crazy. Weird. And we also have, uh, we were talking about this before, which was the Jehovah's Witnesses, where they also, or a lot of their predictions or prophecies, yeah. and they keep changing the time because it does not come to pass. Yeah, so there's a few of them. You have, um, so I guess in 1914, 1914, yes, supposed to be the end of the world, and that didn't happen because we're still here. Mm-hmm. Then in 1925, was supposed to be the end of the world, and we're still here. Um, 
and there were just multiple different things like that you know in in the 1700s uh started coming out with different things uh talking about the invisible presence of jesus is doing this and doing that and just really not a lot of evidence behind that and in fact once you have that first bible prophecy or that first prophecy kind of debunked to say in 1914 or 1925 the world is going to end you kind of don't do justice with your system because the the jehovah witness system claims to to have like direct i guess when 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 it was formed russell and his guys would claim to have like this direct power and this direct connection with angels and the angels were giving them this revelation and that's how they created their translation of the bible because the angels told them that our the translations of the bible that have been coming out were wrong and so you know they changed what scripture said and and, and really put in there that jesus was a god uh not the son of god not um not uh uh eternal but they put him as they label him as an a god a just one of many now fun fact that you might not know mike is uh by that changed around 1927 but before that russell actually did or his sect of jehovah's witnesses did actually believe that jesus was god really it wasn't until 1927 that they started changing that belief wow so they just customize their they customize as they go basically that's how that reminds me of the Mormon. The Mormon Church, uh, apparently, in their scripture, um, it was something like you know the darker skinned people. Mm-hmm. So like me, um, they were deemed cursed. Like they were deemed like lower angels, like like cursed angels that were converted into this body. Some weird stuff. And and so the darker skin essentially not accepted. The darker your skin, the more cursed you are. The lighter your skin, the more blessed you are, the more angelic you are. So you have blonde hair, blue eyes, super light skin. Kind of look like Geo. You're blessed. If you kind of look like me or darker, you're not as blessed. Well, sometime like around the 90s, it just got changed. The, 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 the curse lifted. And now... Because if people were protesting, people were seeing that. They were like, hey, that's horse crap. You better take that and out. Scientifically, it all depends on region or genetics. Yeah. So then they just decided, okay, we're going to lift the edge. It goes away. It just went away. And now there's no talk about it. So when I see some of the Mormon kids riding around, they call them elders. When I see them riding around their bikes and you got like an Indian kid, you got some Spanish kids and black kids. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You must not know. Somebody probably didn't tell you. Right, you are cursed until like the '90s, and then now you're lifted. So suddenly you're joining their the gang, you're joining that clique. You must be crazy. And they have various things that you know. So once things aren't fulfilled, like prophecies are 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 clearly. So going back to Jehovah Witness, if the group of elders and the in the founder is saying that they have this unique relationship with a like a unique relationship that you can't have we can't have they have a unique relationship and everything they're saying is god breathed and they get a prophecy wrong they say the end of the world's coming at this date and it doesn't happen doesn't look good on your system it does not and going back to that ezekiel i believe 13 if i remember correctly 
you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it also touches upon De- uh, Deuteronomy 18, where it's saying that if just one prophecy is wrong, just one, the whole system falls over. It's it, it, particularly, you know, if you if you think, all right, human error, so forth. Um, not in that situation because this person is really claiming that they went, they meditated, they had this encounter with this angelic being. The angelic being came and they gave them the word and they given you the word. And now they they get your money. I said this before. These cats, some of these dudes, it's all about money. Yep. They come up with these scams. They come up with these fake things, fake news, and they want you to have buy-in. They want your money. And so they come to you, they say, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. They, you know, give your give your $100, do whatever you need to do. You have to commit your whole life. Yeah. Which is what we talked about previously in the, the cult episode. Yeah, drink this Kool-Aid and, and everything is going to, no, 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 no. And that's why it's important what scripture says in defending its own honor to say, man, if, if there's prophecy that's not fulfilled and they're claiming, got to be careful. Got to be careful. So in today's episode, that's, you know, what we're going to look at is uh, are some prophecies that uh, are from the past and maybe during the time period in which the prophecy was spoken, if it didn't come to fruition, there were perhaps groups of people very skeptical like myself that may have labeled them false prophets. But later on, when the prophecy became, it was apparent that the prophecy was fulfilled. Now they are given their just credit. And so, again, if there's some prophecies out there that are being said or that have been said that haven't been fulfilled, but there's no date stamped on it, they're open. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. But if they give you a solid date and they give you a solid everything and they say this is going to happen on this date at this time. And the Mayan calendar says it's going to end here and everyone's got to run. But before you run, buy this canoe. Buy this because you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Then you know it's horse crap. And we can start right off the bat. Do uh, it. Going down the list, or I should say going up the list since it's from the past. Oh. We have Babylon will rule over Judea from 70 years. And it's spoken about in Jeremiah 25, 11. And I can read it briefly. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord, and I will make it desolate forever. So here we see three prophecies which were fulfilled. The first one being that Babylon was going to rule. They ruled or captured the last Assyrian king in 609 BC. This prophecy was written in 626 to 586 in between so it's like 40 years or something between or whatever it was roughly and then we have babylon's gates will open for cyrus isaiah 41 i mean 45 1 which was written in 701 to 681 bc and it was fulfilled hundreds of years later in 539 bc we have babylonian's kingdom will be permanently overthrown which going back to jeremiah 25 and that was fulfilled on 539 bc which was also written in Isaiah thirteen nineteen, and also Isaiah fourteen twenty three. We have the Jews will survive Babylonian rule and return home, which is written about in Jeremiah thirty two thirty six through thirty seven as well. 
to just touching upon Babylon, Babylon, which is an actual kingdom that a lot of people usually is like, oh no, the Bible is not true. It's all about myth. But yet we touched upon it previously in the last two episodes. It's actual historical facts that's happening. And now you're touching on historical events that took place that were written about in scripture prior to the events that occurred. And you see the historical passing of those events that that we can point back to. And before you keep going, you know, when I was, you know, first learning scripture, when I first had a relationship and encountered a relationship with Jesus, uh, this was like 13 years ago. Uh, and I started reading the word and so forth. I started to come across different verses um, like in Ezekiel talks about um, Ethiopia and Egypt. The land will become desolate. You know, there were mighty kingdoms at one point, uh, but the land will become desolate and you're and you won't be strong anymore. You'll be a weak empire and so on and so on as a result, basically of the pagan practices and the worshiping of false gods and 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 all of that and you see today where one of the poorest countries on the planet is ethiopia still and this you know book was written uh the ezekiel was written and let me just look at that real quick but i think ezekiel was written in the 500s let me see so they've been I mean, that's true. They've been desolate for a long time. Yep. About 571 BC. It's crazy. So they were prophesying that would occur. And I would imagine during that time period, the people who came across Ezekiel and he's speaking about that and it's maybe being written out and all of that. Um, and they're saying, man, this dude's tripping. We're powerful. We're mighty. We're never going away. And maybe it didn't happen year one, year two, year three, year four, year 20, whenever it was. But eventually, there was an economic downturn. Eventually, they lost their power and their rule. And eventually, became one of the poorest nations on the planet. And we, again, look today at Ethiopia. That's what started getting me thinking. When I came across that, I was like, yo, that's crazy. And it just set me back. Like, I wasn't looking at trying to find out about Bible prophecies. I wasn't trying to figure it out. I wasn't in small groups trying to have conversations about it. It just came across that verse and I just sat thought practically to say, wow, this book was written so long ago. And till this day, Ethiopia hasn't recovered. Nope. And till this day, Egypt hasn't never gone back to what they weren't once were. That superpower, they they no, they they they're not. So it set me back, and I just was thinking about like, this book is something that I've got to take seriously. This book is something that I've got to really think about because if if what's recorded here is legit, it's tough. It's tough to swallow. Um, keep going, and, and I and I'll talk about some other uh, piece of that. But keep going on on what you got. We have the Ninevites will be drunk in their final hours in Nahum 110, which was written about 614 BC. And Nahum 110 states, they will be entangled among thorns and drunk from their wine. They will be consumed like dry stubble. And also talking about uh, Nineveh, we have was destroyed by fire. Nahum 315, there, will, there the fire will devour you. The sword will cut you down and like grasshoppers consume you. 
tower will be attacked by many nations reading ezekiel 26 3 which is written between the time of 587 to 586 bc which occurred in 573 bc 332 and 1291 a.d keep going on tear stones timber and soil will be cast into the sea ezekiel 26 12 they will plunder your wealth and loot your merchandise they will break you down your walls and demolish your fine houses and throw your stones timber and rubble into the sea the jews will avenge the edomites ezekiel 25 14 which was written 593 to 571 bc which predicted that the jews will have revenge against the uh, edomites and that occurred roughly around 400 to 100 bc we also have edom will be tumbled and humbled which is written about in jeremiah 49 16 which during the timeline is 626 to 586 BC, which was fulfilled around 100 BC. We also have continuing on of the uh, the coming of the Messiah. Now, you did touch upon briefly about the dates. I like uh, how this is spread apart, which a lot of you know that Daniel wrote about the, the 70 weeks. 70 weeks. 70, 70 weeks? No. Do you recall? No. The 70 weeks of the seven years? Daniel's prophecy? Oh, when the kingdom would be destroyed and divided? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I'm going to read a passage of uh, an article I did find and just note the position. Just so you guys are aware, a lot of uh, scholars, a lot of historians, uh, numerologists, they usually state that for a prophecy to be fulfilled, it is about 10 times 10 to the power of 7,000 to the, be fulfilled. The probability that yes, it will be fulfilled is 10 to the what? 10 to the 10 to the power of 7,000. 10 to the power of 7,000. What in the world? Hold on. Go ahead. Keep reading. I'm going to find out what that is. <laughs> So it, it, it's like seventy thousand. It's like seven thousand zeros after the ten. How would you even read that? I'm gonna find out how you read that number. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna read. All right, comparing the dates of Jesus' declaration, which was the decree, which March fifth, four hundred and forty-four B.C., and then the declaration of Jesus, which was March 30, 33 A.D., and we can calculate now from Daniel's states of the sixty-nine weeks. Of seven days each, there was in Jewish prophetic years 360 days, not 365. So you multiply 69 times 7 times 360, which equals 173,880 days. Keep that in mind. Now Repeat we the number of days? 173,880 days. That's a lot of days. All right. We have from the time span then, from then, 444 B.C., to 33 AD which is 476 years and then we multiply 476 years times 365 days per year which is with the leap years and then we have an estimation of 173,855 days exactly from when Daniel prophesied to when Jesus resurrected How accurate is that? And just notice the probability, like I said, the probability for it to be accomplished. 
I'm still trying to find that number. That number. <laughs> but it's crazy how we can say things like, oh, Mayweather is going to win. But yet there's really a, what, 50-50 chance you can be up against thousands. We can even talk about the probability, uh, probability of winning the lottery. There's how many people in the United States? There's how many chances? Right. You only have like six numbers and seven if you play that bonus number right whatever i've never played the lottery i mean i played a scratch off once or twice but so let's say one in in hundred million or one in a billion but the probability that this dude's talking about is in the insane astronomical number and we have a total i compiled this list with uh my professor currently i asked him uh if he can give me a, a rundown of how many prophecies that Jesus, just Jesus himself, has fulfilled. And he put it plainly, just 353 prophecies. Now, in estimation, there is over close to 2,500 prophecies prophesied in the Bible, 2,000 of them already being fulfilled. Jesus did 353 just by himself. Dang. Which is crazy. And Shout out just to, to Jesus. Just to state some of them, I can go from the very top list. Which in Genesis 3.15, seed of a woman, virgin birth, which is spoken about and fulfilled in Galatians 4.4. 4, it talks about it. Matthew 1.18. We can go as well as he will bruise Satan's head. Genesis 3.15 again. Hebrews 2.14 talks about it. 1 John 3.8. This is all during Jesus' time. Christ's heel will be bruised on with nails on the cross, which is spoken about in Matthew 27:35. Bodily ascension to heaven. The God of Shem will be the, the son of Shem, which is spoken about in Genesis 9:26, which is referenced, and uh, Luke talks about it at Luke 3:23 through 36. Seed of Abraham will bless all nations, Genesis 12:3 which is referenced again, like I said, Galatians 3.8 and Acts 3.25. A priest after the order of Melchizedek, king of peace and righteousness, the last supper foreshadowed, the lamb of God promised, as Isaac seed, bridge to heaven, seed of Jacob. And I can keep going on. We have like on lists. and on. Lists, and it's crazy. On. Now, one of the, the ones that, again, for me, just as a casual listener, or a casual reader and studying the word and not really diving into maybe additional resources and so forth was, um, you know, in Isaiah, when it talks about they will look upon him who was pierced and it, it talks about the names of, of this begotten son. It talks about essentially it gives a, a, a graphic detail of the crucifixion, but it also gives us this uh, this view. And I'm trying to find it right now in Isaiah, um, where it really points to to Jesus, the proclamation proclamation of Jesus, where it says. Yeah, it says um, it's it's a good plan to crush him, yet his life is made as an offering for sin 
He will have a multitude of children, many heirs. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's plan to prosper or heal him. Well, no, that's not it. Wait, my phone is calculating. We got to cut that out. My phone is just, ah! <laughs> what in the world? I have no idea why my phone keeps doing that. Anyway, so to go back, um, that wasn't the verse. That wasn't the verse. Yeah, hold on. Let me find the verse. And while Mike's looking at that, I will continue on, as well as I have uh, compiled probability this as well. We have in 700 BC the prophet Micaiah. Uh, he named the tiny vision of Bethlehem as the birthplace of Israel's Messiah, Micaiah 5:10. And the chance of that happening is one in ten to the power of five. We have. Prophet named Zechariah declared that the Messiah will be betrayed for the price of his slave, 30 pieces of silver, according to Jewish laws, written in Zechariah 11, 12 through 13, which the probability of that fulfilling with everything that was going on through Bible writers and secular historians, they estimate with the probability of 1 in 10 to the power of 11. All right. So I found, yeah, it's, it was what I was reading. I just had to go a little bit above that, but it talks about yet it was our weakness. He carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. He was, he thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins, but he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. All of us have strayed like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own yet the lord laid him laid on him the guilt of sin for us all and talks about him being buried uh, as a criminal uh, and he was put in a rich man's grave and it's crazy when you look at that from isaiah 53 because that's exactly what happened in the actual historical account of jesus that uh several hundred years um you know, in fact, we're talking about the detail of that prophecy, the the specifics of how he would be whipped and how people would look upon him and the reason why he came and and where he was buried as a criminal. We know Jesus was was uh, buried as a criminal. He was put in a tomb and he was uh, the tomb that he was placed in. The grave that he was placed in belonged to a rich man. It belonged to someone um you know, uh, of authority, it belonged to someone who who uh, who was rich. And when we look at the dates of Isaiah, I mean, we're talking about it was written around 680 or 700 BC, 700 years before Jesus. So 700 years before this man was alive, this was written about him in such great detail, and that's just part of it. If you look more in Isaiah, it talks, it gives you little pieces of there in in regard to you know what the names of jesus would be what they would call him the purpose etc and uh and it's very very telling they call isaiah you know the 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 fifth gospel essentially uh, because it gives so much insight to the life of jesus the purpose um and, and also the the examples the 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 in-depth explanations of of his death and, uh, and again, that's another verse that when I was looking at scriptures, just like, man, like what that really ha that really happened. And that's really telling 
for me. Again, two practical ways for me to see. I'm not even going deep into research the way G went in to find out the probability that it would occur and what year it happened and, and what historical reference and none of that. I'm just looking at the history that I can know off the top and say that that Ethiopian one, that was pretty legit. I still see that. The Jesus do with Isaiah, I see that happening. But then also when I look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, it talks about in the last days. It gives us this insight about the last days. And, and, and this is Paul writing to Timothy. And it says, in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless and puffed up with pride, loving pleasure rather than loving God. They will act as if they are religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. That's crazy when I read that. I'm just sitting back like, yo, that's that's today. That was 12 mm-hmm. years ago, 13 years ago. Whenever I read that, I was like, I see that every day. Every day I see us, myself included, in that list, being people that are scoffing at God and proud and unloving, unforgiving, disobedient to parents, no self-control, cruel, considering nothing sacred. Nothing sacred, not even your gender, what you were born, nothing sacred. Relationships, mm-hmm. nothing sacred. There is, no, there is nothing uh, that, is, that, is, that is deemed sacred in this culture and we love pleasure rather than loving god and in many cases people will act religious and we're not talking about people acting as if they're christian we're talking people acting religious having the spirituality or even those who claim to be christian acting as if they are christian but in reality they reject the power that would make them godly or make them holy essentially they're rejecting the word they're rejecting the holy spirit they're rejecting the message of christ and when i saw that again i'm like man that's a prophecy that is prophecy for today and i read it and i see that in my everyday and it's practical and i can see it and i can hear it and that that should lead people to repentance that should lead people to really think like yo this person jesus we just talked about last episode and the episode before about all this prophecy and all this stuff and who Jesus was, rather, uh, the historical implications of Scripture and the historical implications of, of Jesus. Now we're talking about the prophetic and prophecy being fulfilled. Dang, if you can't take this book seriously, I feel bad, fam. And prophetic should should really cause conviction to a lot of people because it's just not... A lot of people say the Bible was written by man, but when we say it was divinely inspired, meaning God himself spoke to the prophets, and we see it to be true, we see it being fulfilled, and yet we go against God, who created all things, knows the past, present, and future. That's crazy. Why do we do that? We're 
you know, in our nature, that's what we want to do. We want to be, we want to be God. Yep. We don't want him telling us what to do. We want to tell him what to do. It wasn't enough that I've given you all things. Just stay away from these things. But I've given you all things. No, no, no. I want to be you. I want to do what you're doing. I want to have your knowledge. I want your position. I don't want, I don't want everything. I want your king. I want your seat. It's crazy. It is. Imagine your phone telling you that. Imagine your computer telling you that. Imagine we do it all the time to each other. And that's the way we treat God. That's why we treat his word. And we go we and we're convinced by everything that comes. Any any sort of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Any sort of thing that tickles our, our ear. Anything that will give us what we see as prophet. Talk about prophetic. We tend to want to hear things. We want to hear prophecy in quotes we want to hear prophecy that will make us feel good about ourselves but nearly every prophecy that i've read in scripture nearly every prophecy it's always bad it's always like repent because this is coming Mm -hmm. repent because you will be torn down i think everything g said was like destroyed just you know we could we could do a count of how many times he said destroyed or or ravished or famine or whatever you know yet when we hear what we call prophecy today uh it's a lot of fluff it's a it's a lot of lack of repentance there's a lot of lack of turn to jesus for the relationship and it's more, you're going to get that new car. We always like hearing those good prophecies. I'm not saying new cars bad. I'm just saying, why is it in our culture we want to hear all this positive? Like, we're, we're one of the richest nations. We're the most, one of the most prosperous nations in the world. Like, we're sitting here with two computers. I got a TV in the house. You know, we're we're you know we got phones we i have clothes on my back i have a job i have like what else do we need like we have all this stuff i got stuff we're in my garage i got stuff to throw out in my garage like what what in the world we don't use have look around you got this paint you got paint over there i'm using that paint we're so prosperous and i think part of our response to God and our response to his word is the fact that we are so prosperous. We feel we don't need anything. Yeah, it always comes to pass that just like we've spoken about uh, countless of times, we ourselves have become God. So we prophesize our own lives. We go to school and what's the first thing they tell us? Create a five-year plan. As soon as we create a five-year plan, if it does not match to a T, you're a false prophet. <laughs> we get either depressed, we get uh, even suicidal. Sometimes we we go into drugs, we start doing things on contrary to actually just going forward to it. But we can go back to an example for me, something that I fought heads and tail against, which was when I was just a baby like roughly a few years old when I was presented to the church, my godfather, which was the pastor of the church at the time, he prophesied saying that God told him that I was going to be a man of God 
like a pastor and teach. Growing up, I've always fought against that. When I was in seventh grade, when I started my transition to magic and the occult, I heard it somewhat uh, get prophesied against me by my mother, and I rejected it completely, went to magic. When I was in high school, I told and started taking that path. I started researching a lot. You remember that, Mike? That's when I met you. And then it wasn't really until, I would say, beginning of September of last year, when we spoke about doing the podcast briefly. Yeah. That's when I completely, instead of just rejecting my calling, I decided, hey, God, it's all for you. Like, use me as you saw fit. He counted every single hair in the womb of my mother, just like it spoke about in scripture. He knew the path I had. And when we reject that, we're usually lost, completely lost. We try to be our own gods. And yet, look at me now. Episode 14. 14! <laughs> Preaching to you guys, speaking to you guys, having conversations. Love so, it. Yeah. I love it. Boasting on him boasting in the cross not in our knowledge not in our ability to to spit facts but Mm -hmm. in the ability to say i don't deserve to have this relationship with god yet in his grace he has given me this opportunity to know him in spite of the fact that i've been his enemy for most of my life he's just embraced me and and as I dig deeper into understanding who he is and and his word and all the fake stuff and all the real stuff, and I start to dissect all this, you know, false religion and false prophecies and everything, I always come back to this reality that, yo, scripture is legit. Yes. I mean, how much more legit can you get than scripture? We, 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 we talk to you guys about, um, you know, the documentary support of scripture. We talked about the historical relevance of scripture and Jesus himself. We're talking about prophecies fulfilled and it's like there is no other reason. There is nothing else really to look at but the legitimacy of scripture. We talk about legitimacy of universities and how they're tier one, tier two, tier three, whatever. We talk about the legitimacy of athletes and and sporting events and the legitimacy of vehicles that you know that have uh have great safety ratings and good pricing and they give you great value and all this stuff but we're talking about a we're talking about scripture that is made up of 66 documents or books historic historic proven. books written over thousands of years over 40 authors that have been proven, been tested prophecy is is I mean it's there you can't refute it G said something like 20 something 2000 2500 over 2500 prophecies have been fulfilled 2000 have been fulfilled 300 plus by jesus himself and no other book has done that and no other book there is no other book we were actually last week when we were sitting here at the end of the episode we listened to this um we listened to this snippet of a sermon by john uh, john macarthur yes shout out to john macarthur all his controversies hey shout out to john macarthur um he did this sermon where he was going in about how many of these other religions have derived. And he said, it's interesting to note how some of them came up. They all had some kind of angelic being. So most of these religions came about through one person, like one or two people. 
and those people were controlled by what they said some spirit beings or extraterrestrials or something informing them to write this document and usually it would come in the form of automatic writing mm -hmm. can you explain just a little bit uh about automatic writing automatic writing is essentially when an entity contacts you and you are given the divine truth so we have john d he wrote the the esoteric Enochian language, which is now stemming in the occult or how Catholics prescribe it as being the angelic language. So before Hebrew, there was Enochian and John D. claimed that he was given revelation to it. So that's a form of automatic writing we have as well as some Mormons who they saw an angel and they were told that Jesus went to Native America and he was there during the war. We also have Scientology speaking about their uh, Hubbard supposedly going to space, coming from the planet, that he didn't really die, essentially. He just ascended and is now living in that planet. And then when we die, or as you're going into Scientology, we have to reach that status to become a Logos, which is a god. We have even in the cult, uh, uh, automatic writing, which was given to the system, which was the Lima, or magic itself, by Alistair Crowley's wife, which he received... Uh, an entity talking to him and that entity was called awas yeah so it's like you get this this not it's not even inspiration it's like dictation mm -hmm. where your hand can't control itself like you're you're you pass out yeah yeah so so like g said it it overtakes you you're just you're just possessed mm -hmm. and you just bam you're writing this document you're just going in writing 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 and suddenly uh, this document was derived and now, because of this automatic writing that has been not only revealed to you, but has been dictated to you into this language, and now you bring it out to the people, there is no negotiation. There is no questioning. There is no... It's seen as divine. Yeah, truth. there is no questioning. There is no... But scripture doesn't, doesn't claim that. It's funny because scripture by itself, if you look at it, how uh, the first accounts of anything really written, it was oral tradition, but what was really the first thing that was written? In Genesis and the no, laws? No, no, no. I'm saying what was written and account for, well, I'll, I'll just say it. Yeah, I don't know. I understand the question. God himself wrote the Ten Commandments. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He passed yes. it on to Moses. Correct. And then the oral tradition was made. And then after the oral tradition, it was usually to test the prophet. You had to see it further on. So what they would do is the scribes or the seers, they would write it down so that later on, as soon as it was tested, they can say, hey, look, this was prophetized by Moses. Mm. And then it was fulfilled. And if it was horse crap, they would just exactly. put it out and they would wipe their butt with it. And that was it. Exactly. But it didn't happen because entire nations built around this, this, this prophecy. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because when we look at scripture, Scripture itself, it doesn't affirm the dictation. Yes, the only, the only form of, of dictation uh, or, or the form where God physically wrote himself on these tablets um, were the commandments, correct. But all of the rest of Scripture, as it accounts for those events. Witnesses, right. God speaking to them. They, they, it, these are, um, it is revelation, but it's inspiration. So every author has their own creative right to write in their style, mm -hmm. to write a court in, 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 a, in, a, in a format to their audience that's specific to their audience. There's no claim that God took control of them and possessed them in order to write these pages. 
instead they're they're writing about the events that happen or they're writing about prophetic events that will happen but they're writing it in their style like in their in their ability to write it i remember i was debating against a witch a few years back i I guess it was five uh five or four years back but she was saying that oh that happened though there was automatic writing because if you uh Go back and I believe it's in the book of Acts where, or no, I wasn't the book of that. It was like in Matthew where Jesus was saying that the spirit of truth will come onto you so that all words written are in accordance with the spirit. So that they're like, oh yeah, but you see that automatic writing. And I was just like, no, it's just God saying that he's affirming that everything that they are seeing, everything that they are writing is true. Mm-hmm. So no matter what is being said, you have the witnesses, you have the historicity, you have the divine revelation itself, not an automatic writing where God completely takes over and you don't have any collection of what's happening. Right. It's not a place where, um, you know, if something has been disproven. Mm-hmm. So as we talked about last time, you know, some, some of these uh, religions have historical accounts written in them that not only have they not been proven, but they've been disproven in those religions. If you question it, you're done. We cut you off. In, in the scripture and, and, and in the history of Christianity, that's not been the case. It's always says to test. It's always, it says test the scripture. And it actually, um, you know, Paul, he affirms, we read the book of Acts and we also see examples of it uh, in in, uh, in the book of Thessalonians. But uh, Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, they were, they were, um, they were avid researchers. And he says, yes, research the scriptures, dissect the strip scriptures, test what I'm saying to ensure these things are true Mm -hmm. and he actually gave them praise for doing that he gave them uh praise for uh for you know for all of that stuff and it was clear and i think even in in in, um in moses's time uh when he wrote uh, i don't remember off the top what it was but he also was talking about digging into history as he started quoting some of the historical events he was saying reference this book if you want to know more about this event or so on and so forth and he actually encouraged the 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 research the historical research scripture's always been the history of christianity has always been something was like go ahead test it if it's not legit we are we out we back out Mm -hmm. we're done but it's been tested it's been proven and the people that try to create things today is not that we're we're being closed-minded and we're trying to put a you know put a put a wall up but we we're listening for facts and all we're getting are assertions that aren't necessarily part of the reality or the truth of what's being talked about uh and so uh, you got to get facts you don't have facts you don't have back it up we throw it out but if you have facts you have legit bring it show me the research send it to me and we'll be able to uh, to write it, we can record it, we can back out. But if you can't provide the reality, you can't provide the facts. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but we have to throw that out. We can't throw out scripture because you said we got to throw it out if it's legitimately hasn't taken place. We can't do that because scripture's always been proven. Yep. I, give me a reason, right? Yep. And and over all the history, all these hundreds of years, always been the same. It's always the same story. Always the same story. It always comes back to the same thing. Scripture is legit. Scripture is legit. And touching upon that as well, even though we can continuously go back to uh, believing in ourselves, like we talked about previously in this episode, 
always believing we are gods, ultimately everything that we have been talking about leads back to Jesus Christ. Even prophecy themselves, it talks about in Acts 10.43, to him give all the prophets witness. Everything, since the beginning of Genesis, it all goes back to Christ. And we can go to Luke 24.27, where Jesus Christ is talking. And it's saying, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Legit. Legit. So and if you want, if you, if, if you think he's not talking about, if the scripture is not talking about Jesus, it's talking about something, it's talking about money, it's talking about your car, psh, better read that book. And just to finish it off, Revelations 19.10, where it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amazing. Amazing. So dig in. Dig into scripture. Is there are there any websites that um, that you can maybe reference? At least just one website that According they can According to the scriptures and BibleStudyTools.com. There you go. Get the hookup. Bible Study Tools will give you everything broken down to the probability to the last decimal. I've got one here. A legit, legit um, organization called Ligonier. What you know about Ligonier? Ligonier.org. <laughs> Um, forward slash learn devotionals fulfillment prophecy uh, so go in there go into Ligonier dig in uh, and it'll give you I'm looking at the page right now it says fulfillment of prophecy and there are a bunch of resources in fact there are a number of daily devotionals you have one two three four five six seven man ton ton of things that you can look forward to on the topic and um, and so just a few things that you can dig into that will point you at least in the right direction. Um, and, and don't just take it from us like we're saying. Do yeah. the research. Actually do the research. Do the research. Very important you do the research. Very important that you check it out. And, uh, you know, kind of like what Ravi Zacharias said, um, it's, it's great that Scripture doesn't affirm verbal or written perfection. Uh, it doesn't say that one word would not be better used than some of the words that are used in scripture. In fact, what we have in front of us is the English. And as we talked about before, the original versions were written in Hebrew and Aramaic, primarily the Old Testament and the New Testament, primarily written in Greek. And so the way it's translated, it sounds like it's all one. It sounds like it's all one person writing it, but it's a translation of the original writing. So, you know, you have to take that into account as well. But um, but you, well, you know, as I mentioned, Ravi Zacharias saying, Scripture never affirms this verbal perfection uh, because there is probably room for one word that would have been better used, or maybe the sentence would have been better used this way. It doesn't discredit or take away from the substance that Scripture is presenting, and everything that we've talked about in the last several episodes. I think it it, it, it paints the picture, and you get the idea if you've been listening. You get the point. Um, so, so check that out uh, and send us a message. If you have questions or you want to debate us on anything, send us an email, uh, proofbeyondreason at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. YouTube. YouTube. Shout out to the people commenting on YouTube. I know I have yet to uh, respond back, but thank you for the likes. Thank, thank you, you so much. The, uh, the comments. 
And any suggestions that you have about topics you want to listen to, hit us up, send us a message. Um, you can hit me up uh, at Mike the Baptist on Twitter. Send me a message. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are and if you want any specific topics. But uh, we're, we're going to be out. We got other things to do. I got a birthday to celebrate. <laughs> Not really. I got a baby to take care of. Um, so a shout out to Matthew Movement. MatthewMovement.com. Wear what you believe. Uh, shout out to Ivan. My brother Ivan. My, my dude Ivan. Just yep. miss him. Love him. Uh, he's doing his thing. And uh, and we are we're out. So this is Mike the Baptist. Got geology. Check out his blog. Love you guys. <laughs>